Welcome to Construction, the podcast of the Tulsa District Corps of Engineers. We are coming to you from Midtown Tulsa, Oklahoma, from the site of Cityplex Towers. Today, I'm actually joined by Joey Cabay. Joey is the uh, metal worker leaderman for the Inslee Engineer Yard in the Memphis District. And you might be wondering, well, what does Joey have to do with the Tulsa District, which is way over in Oklahoma? Um, Joey, tell us about what your guys do out in uh, Inslee at the shipyard. Sure thing, Brandon. So basically, we're a, we're um, a facility that has three dry docks, and all of the core vessels, mostly from Memphis south to New Orleans, we specialize in repairing them. These vessels beat themselves up all year long, doing the work on the river from dredging to grading the banks and there's all kinds of different operations that go on and after those boats are beat up for a year they bring them into us we put them up on the dry docks we fix holes dents um, and then new fabrication new equipment that might be needed and we stay booked up year after year just just trying to catch up uh, with do, taking care of the needs of those vessels and now dredging you were saying it, it beats up a ship or or a, or a barge, as we say it. Um, can you talk about a little bit about how how often you see the same barges or or ships that come through, just in terms of the type of damage that gets done to them? So the Hurley, the Dredge Hurley, is based out of Memphis, Tennessee, and it's a 348 foot long dredge. So it's a huge ship with a large crew. And this thing has what we call a dustpan. So it kind of looks like the little handheld um, dust buster vacuum cleaners that gets lowered down um, right in the front of the boat. And that thing just eats up dirt on the bottom. Well, that process isn't all, it's not cookie cutter. There's huge rocks, trees. And with this vessel moving across the river, running into this type of stuff, it just destroys the front end of that boat. Um, they've hit dikes, you name it, nudging up against other barges as they make tow. You're just beating metal into each other, and it, it creates a lot of damage over the year. What, what, uh, how thick is the metal that, that comprises the, the, the barge, or so, at least the part that would get hit? In, in a typical crew, we've got a lot of units out on the river, and, you know, we've worked for you. We've got vessels that come from Tulsa as well. I'm just focusing in on our main areas, Memphis to New Orleans and everything working on those rivers. Not just the Mississippi tributaries, we're fixing those vessels as well. Um, but the, the metal, wherever you're at in the country, as long as it's inland, you're going to see a lot of three-eighths material. You're going to see half-inch. You're going to see inch, three-quarters depending on what part of the boat, if it's in the front and it's going, it's running aground, a lot of these barges are pushed up against dirt embankments. You're going to see an inch cladding kind of in the front as a, as an armoring, but the body of the vessel, the most common, if you had to bet your paycheck on what you're going to see the most, it's three eighths. Three eighths of an inch? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. That's pretty, so, that's pretty. About like that. Oh, wow. So how long does it take to, to like what, how long does it take to cut through that to because you have to like cut out a section right and then replace it or how does that work so what we do is 
we're talking dry dock work here now. So if mm-hmm. you come in, I mean, I've replaced bathroom doors before. So if you come in for maintenance and you don't need us to access your hull or your propellers, or your rotors, you can just pull up. We've got a mile long dock system we call the string out. It's a metal dock. It floats up and down as the river level moves with three dry docks attached to it. If you need your bathroom door replaced, you can pull right up there and we can do that work without putting you on a dry dock. More extensive repairs if it doesn't have to do with the hole, we can do there too. We're doing a room addition to the Hurley. They could park right there and we can add rooms just like a typical construction site. But say you've got an area that needs to be cropped out as we call it on one of the dredges and we're gonna get you up on dry dock, we're gonna do a sounding. So we're gonna go through with an ultrasonic device and we're gonna find out, the engineers will prescribe a grid. They may say, hey, four by four all over the boat. We're gonna get that sounding back, determine what's rotted. Every vessel in our fleet, your fleet, they've all got rot somewhere. Um, the river's right. hard on these boats. And so we're going to find out right now we've got one on dry dock. It's a 40 foot by 40 foot section. So we're going to go in, we're going to cut all the plate loose. We're going to brace it up. We t- we spend a week and a half just bracing things so that this thing doesn't start to move in a way we don't want to or it didn't prescribed. We're going to get the plate out of there. We're going to get the structure and then we're going to start to replace it section at a time. Um, if you want, you could, we never do a repair smaller than two foot by two foot. It's kind of one of the rules we go by. But let's say you had a four foot by four foot section and some structure inside there that was bad. It wouldn't be unthinkable to have that done in a day and a half. Really? If everything was ideal. Typically what happens is we get in there to do a small section like that. And as we start to cut, the damage area grows. We start to see more rot, more places in need of repair, and it just gets larger and larger until we've gotten all the all the rot out or the diseased portion of the boat out. Now you talked about it sounded like you were talking about non-destructive inspections earlier with the sound with the they put the jelly on the gel on the yes. and then they use the ultrasound type deal to basically That's, send the waves through the metal to tell you here's where the weak points are. That's what we do. And we're just looking. So there's several different devices like that. We're just looking for a thickness report on that on that phase. So we're not we're not using that for weld um, testing. We have that capability. We have two CWIs in house. We're going to do a lot of dye penetrant testing because we're yeah. doing thousands and thousands of feet. I mean, we had a, a, a dredge from North Carolina. We rebuilt the whole vessel practically. Um, that's still ongoing. And the boat we've got out here now, or it's a mooring barge for Vicksburg. It's a, I'm not sure how long it is exactly, but I know it's as long as the Hurley. So you're talking 300 plus feet, cutting out 40 foot right in the center of the boat by 40. We're cutting the front end of the boat off. When we're done with that, you've got a half a mile of welds. So the easiest and most productive way to test that is to spray dye penetrant on it. CWIs will go, it highlights bad areas, and then anything that they circle, they want repaired. They'll go back through a second time um, and make sure that they're they're pleased and everything meets code. They run like a black light over it or whatever to see the dye penetrant or? There, that is one that is, that's a very specific. Typically what we're using is it, it's one that bleeds red. So you put on okay. the developer and it's white and those bad areas will just show up at, you know, just dark red stains. Oh, okay. So like people who now now do the people that that do that are they're also doing the welding and the metals work or is that Absolutely. a whole separate section? Okay, wow. So we're growing. So we started out 
this road, I, I give my chief a lot of credit. Um, he's been here approximately 15 years, and he came in and started implementing um, standards and procedures that were more common in more lead industry metalwork. And, and so we have had a CWI on for the last three years, but that CWI is a working CWI, just like I'm a working foreman. So we're yeah, out what's there. What's a doing CWI? Joe? Certified welding inspector. Okay. Okay. So in the metalworking field, um, you know, it's a big deal. Um, a lot of education. The testing is extremely hard, and they're the person on site that can tell you your welds aren't cutting it. In the private sector, that's the quickest way to get shown to the gate. You get three really? welds in a lot of these jobs that the CWI doesn't like. They weren't prepared, repaired properly, and you'll be looking for a new job. So they've got a lot of power, a lot of education, a lot of responsibility. Because when he signs off on that repair, he's saying that it's going to go down the river and it's going to do its job. And those guys that aren't metal workers no longer have to worry about that area. So but we have to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What were you saying? I was just saying we have to. It's a department that's growing. Next fiscal year, we're looking for a third. And um, eventually, I see down the future, it may be years from now to where they won't touch metal. They will just be doing inspections. All right. So all those people who work in uh, aircraft and, and non-destructive inspections in that world might have a, uh, some experience in, in that you guys will be looking for, essentially, in that. Absolutely. So I'm positive that we'll have another one running, you know, at the end of the, and, and then you, you're starting to have a department now. It's not just right. one guy. Um, the problem with us right now, just keeping them doing the inspections is we need all hands on deck. We're right. several years behind. More and more uh, vessels need us. They want to come here because of the work we do. And it's just if you've got typically your certified weld inspectors in this industry are phenomenal metal workers. So we're putting you to work. If you've got a guy with 20-something years as a metal worker in the field, and we've got a vessel like this one I'm talking about now, they want it done before Christmas. We're working seven days a week on it, 12-hour days. I mean, we're put we're putting you in the game. Oh, that's 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 a lot of overtime you guys are are putting out there to to stay afloat. Yes, sir. It's it's part of this industry. Um, it, I, I think I'm safe to say that the guys in this industry look for that overtime it, there's there's levels to it so i had over a thousand hours of overtime september this year oh wow yes sir and and that's not the most in my unit there are guys that had quite a bit more than that how does somebody how does somebody get into into what you guys do and in, into the metals world we are hiring around the clock um there's always an opening here um, virtually always an opening here. If there's not one run this week, give it a month and one will be out. I was a teacher at Arkansas State mm -hmm. University in, in the welding program. Right. And I'm, I'm starting to see get on and then learn. Get enough to get in the door. So we have a program called a 5810. You can come in as a welder's apprentice. Young men are getting those jobs and potentially women with Minimal. I've taken shop class in high school. I was taught to weld in high school. I practiced just a small amount of time, but they show a work ethic. They say the right things on their resume and in their interview. We get them in here as basically a laborer, and those have really been working out. If they've got the right work ethic and they're working hard, on rainy days, it's raining here now, and I have one back in the shop. We start teaching them stuff. They start practicing, and 
you have one year to make your first weld test. Once you oh, pass wow. that test, now you're an eight in the WG side. Then you have another year to pass the next series of tests. And before you know it, we're moving you into a journeyman welder program. Uh, I really believe in those types of apprenticeship programs starting in, you know, even if it's someone that's interested in electrical, go to the big electrical shops in your area and say, hey, I want to do this. Can I start out sweeping the floors? Right. And if they see a work ethic, we're looking for hungry workers. If we see you doing the small things right, I'm going to grab you and say, hey, come over here. Let me show you what I'm doing. Are you going to teach them how to make that dime edge or whatever it is on the weld? Is that I'm still teaching myself? <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good enough. I tell everybody that I'm never going to lose the contest, but I'm probably never going to win one either. <laughs> I, I'm a solid B plus A minus. What, uh, what type of welding do you all do? Is it arc or what, what are some of the types of welding you all do? So, with what we're doing, we have a pipe shop that's excellent. All these boats have water pipe. Um, you know, there's you know, air. There's there's pipe running through all of these boats, and and other equipment. We we don't just work on the vessels. We act. We work on the equipment that goes with the vessels. So the dozers, the excavators, they all have real specialized equipment that we work on, and that requires all the welding. You know, you name it, we're out here doing it. So if you're doing a pipe job and that pipe is nice, just beautiful stainless steel, you're going to be TIG welding that stainless steel. And what and is TIG the, welding? So TIG welding is um, tungsten inert gas. And it means okay. you've got one hand with a tungsten, literally the metal um, weldment is in this hand. And it's supplied with electrical electricity. And you're going to have a filler metal in the other hand and you're working them both. And that's where you get on Instagram and you see these beautiful welds and these beautiful patterns. These guys are TIG welding. So we right. do a lot of TIG welding, uh, totally different group of certifications. Most of most of my guys have multiple, multiple certifications because I might be TIG welding one day, I might be pipe welding the next. So when you leave here, if you decide to move on, one of my guys is going to have sheets of certifications that he's went out and got. The, oh, wow. the welding procedure for shipyards and heavy metal, so your railroads, your big steel structures, is called flux core. Flux core is an operation that we use a gun. So you hear of MIG welding. MIG welding is typically run at a lower heat, less volts. Your flux core is hotter. It's more penetrant. Um, and it's typically more forgiving. And we just, we run miles of that stuff in shipyards. And, and a lot of, if somebody's listening, they've, they've had somebody, you know, that they know that's in the railroads. It's kind of the same. But that's what you're going to see. And that's what you want to be good at if you want to excel in a place like this. How tell me about the teams that you guys have because like my okay I when I was growing up in Middle Georgia I had this friend whose whose stepfather was a um, he was a welder for a I won't say the name of the company but they make school buses and uh, he uh, he was one of the hardest hardest working people I know and even I mean it, it was amazing and he would get out and and I know it it gets hot especially in in the southeast um but i i know that just being around him he was the type of person that just one of the hardest working people i'd ever met in my life i i, I don't know if i've met i've met maybe one or two other people in my life who i've ever seen work as hard as him but um tell me about the type of people you have in your crew there and and the culture there so we need a lot of guys to keep this 
this ship running right now we're somewhere we're somewhere i think just under 35 we might be 33 we might be 34 we're young right now um there's things that are happening in the trades a lot of that old knowledge is retiring off uh i'm fairly young as far as where i'm at i've worked for the corps for five years and i'm one of our leadermen we lack a lot of gray hair but what that means is you can be young and a go-getter and be on job two or three years and pick some of this stuff up and be leading a crew. The way we set ourselves up is we have multiple jobs going on all over the yard. We have jobs outside the yard. A lot of times we're working in Texas, New Orleans on, on, on projects. So you would be set up job specific. If Brandon, you're a great pipe welder, but you don't really have any leadership. You're just a young guy that's good at welding pipe. You're going to be paired with potentially a laborer, maybe another welder that's pretty good, and then you're going right. to have a crew. You're going to have a crew leader. Our crew leaders we call fitters, and fitters make sure the the project fits. So you're responsible for interpreting blueprints and bringing all the the, the fabrication process together. And we might have eight different crews like that working on eight completely different jobs out on the shore, and then two more in Georgia working on something, and my position is over those teams. I'm the guy on the ground actually checking the work, driving the pace of the work, answering questions, helping. And then I report to my bosses, which would be the chief and the assistant chief. So right now, the the, the vessel from Vicksburg is huge. We've got 40 laborers on it. We've got 12 welders and fitters, and then two leadermen are working on that vessel. That's a huge project. You know, 50 some odd people on one vessel working at the same time. But more typically, when we were rebuilding the uh, Wilmington uh, Curry Tuck vessel, it was very typical to be broken down 14 people and break those 14 down into three crews, depending on what work was being done that day. What a tell me about that sense of accomplishment that you all get from from because you're 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 essentially going in and and you know you you get a you get a, a vessel and you you do some repairs on it i mean tell me about tell me about how does how does that feel like that sense of accomplishment from knowing you put your hands on something and 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 work on it i came from a background where i did welding farm type welding i taught at asu i welded for the memphis area transit authority and those jobs are extremely monotonous Teaching welding is rewarding in its own way, but you're welding on the same types of things every day, and it's very short, not very complex projects. So to come out here and to see boats larger than football fields out on your dry dock, you know, I tell everybody when I try to describe it, I say, think of a football stadium that sinks and you pick a ship up on it. Right now, the, the vessel we have hangs over both sides. So now I went from welding on bus parts and teaching young people to weld on six inch plates to now I'm working, you know, sometimes your canvas is 50 yards long. Um, it's insane. And and to come in, all these people, they need us desperately. Their boats typically have multiple holes in it, multiple points of failure because of rot or damage. So we're going in and we're literally saving the day. Oh, this, wow. vessel right, this vessel right now is part of Armor One and they lay concrete on Mississippi River. Their season is depending on us getting this boat back together and out on mission. And so all the way up to the general uh, in uh, 
the, our division, everybody's counting the days down for us to get this out there. So when we sink that sucker and it goes back on its way, um, it's a real sense of pride. And then we know that the next one coming needs us just as bad. I tell my guys all the time, it's, this is never going to end. Everybody needs us. Everybody's waiting on us to jump on their next project. And that feeling is um, it's something that we'll all get to brag to our grandkids about. You know, when people say that they're needed, um, I, tell, I tell my guys, I say, everybody's going to tell your kids and your grandkids how important you are. And here we actually have the opportunity to make it true. Oh, wow. The, you know, there, there's because a lot of these barges, the government just, doesn't just buy a new one every year. I mean, you buy one, it's an investment and, and it's an, you know, it, what, what do you think the oldest one you've ever worked on was? We've got several. They're stamped 1912. Oh, wow. Yes, sir. I, I don't know. Um, that's the common number I see, the 19-teens. So the dredge, that's the counterpart to the Hurley. So the Hurley's based out of Memphis. We've got another large dredge, not quite as big as the Hurley. That's the Jad one. And it's based out of Vicksburg. And they are the workhorses of the Mississippi River. The Jad one was originally built in 1934. Wow. Yes, sir. So it comes in and you see rivets and things that were literally built in the 30s. And we're cropping that out one section at a time and renewing it. They can't spend a lot of time here. We don't have time mm-hmm. and they don't have time. They can't be here for four years and us replace the whole vessel. So we determine the worst sections. We fix that part, send them on their way, and do it all again next year. Oh, wow. That's that's amazing. I mean, and to, to get to touch something that, that is that old and and to, to be able to, 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 to repair it and make it better and keep it running for, for hopefully another, you know, what is that, like 100-plus years? I mean, 1912, that's over, yeah, that's over 111 years old or whatever, if my math is. I keep the I keep the rivets to these old vessels in my in my desk, so I've got a few. I try to <laughs> save one. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. What are some of the other jobs that that you all have that in in the shipyard that in general? Because you're you're one section of about how many people approximately? On the yard, I'm, this is my guess. I've heard the numbers, but it's not. I, I can't think. It, it's somewhere around two hundred. And that's so, that's is that the shipyard as a whole or, or just that's the, metal the shipyard here? as a whole. So operations is what we fall under, and that's all the vessels out there working on the Mississippi. We're somewhere 400 plus. Mm-hmm. I know it's 400 plus. I don't know the exact number. And a large group, large subsect uh, is is made up of what's at Inslee. I don't know the exact number. The way this works is the metals unit drives a shipyard. People don't come to a shipyard because you need a plumber. If your boat needs a plumber and you're out at work, you call it a plumber. <laughs> but you come here for that periodic maintenance or that emergency repair that's got to take you out of work, and that's going right. to be metal work on a boat. You come here though, and we're just we're we're building new bedrooms for the dredge Hurley. So that means one of the other units we have that we work with, we've got the shops unit. Well, the shops unit is made up of carpenters, electricians, plumbers, HVAC. All the other building trades are housed in that unit. And so we've got that. We've got a mechanic shop that works on all. We've got we've got one barge that when it shows up, it's loaded with nothing but the giant D8 bulldozers. And so okay. we've got mechanics here that work on all that stuff, the excavators, all the things that move dirt. Um, and, and you, the, 
Yes, sir. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You were. I was just trying to. So we're basically the mechanics, and then all your building trades are here, and we've got a section of what we call navigation. So there are survey boats, and they look more like, and we work on those as well. They like they're like large speed boats, and so you've got a guy driving that in a grid in a section of river. You've got a guy with a computer, and they're running radar, and they're they're just surveying the bottom of the river to see how shallow it is. And that's gonna that's gonna prescribe next year's or or the next decade's work as they find areas that need that, that need some love out on the river. So everybody knows there's a big drought going on, and the Mississippi River um, is has been hit pretty pretty hard by it. We've we've felt it out here in Tulsa as well. Uh, we just got some rain that came through. Did did it hit you all? At, yeah, it's at been all? pouring today. Oh, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah hopefully it keeps up. <laughs> Yeah, we need it bad. So if you're getting to how it's affected us, the the string out I told you about is sitting on dirt. So it's not, it's supposed to be a floating dock system. It's sitting on dirt. The draft in some of our areas was below seven feet. So that means none of our vessels can 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 crank up and move around during that time. The dry docks work a lot better when you can use a crane barge for support. You've got a crane out there on the river. Crane couldn't get to us. And it is destroying our our dock system. So when you put that down on the dirt, it's not meant to do that. And it's just breaking and crushing those barges in. It's um it's done a lot. It's done as much damage. The the older uh senior guys say this is as bad as they've ever seen it, and it's just staying this way. It's come up some, but it'll come up a few feet and then it'll just bottom back out on us. Oh really? And and that's one of the things because when you start getting those flows again, you start getting that that sand coming down the river and the silt moving down the river and um and then it drops as the river starts to drop, right? So it drops all that. And that's why you need all these dredge these dredges out there doing that work. And uh, and it's kind of unique, I guess. Well, I don't know if I'd say unique. We might be we do a little we do some dredging here, um particularly after after uh flood events we've we've done we've had to do a lot of dredging but uh, uh, we also do a lot of contracted dredging but but out on the mississippi portion it's it's is core pushing it pushing the dredging the core are the workhorses but there's there's plenty of work to go around uh there's a lot of private dredges matter of fact last season we've got the largest dredge inland in the nation the hurley and we had a contract dredge right out here in our backyard doing some work so I don't know the ins and outs of how that works, but I know that there's contracted vessels all up and down the Mississippi River. And then you got to think the tributary systems as well. It's um, I was able to go to a, the Motor Vessel Mississippi, which is housed in Memphis, has public, yeah. he- has public hearings a couple of times a year, the high water and low water inspection. And I visited that and got to see farmers and representatives coming and, and, and pleading their case. And the hot item last year, they were talking about the White River in Arkansas. And so that's not the Mississippi River, but there's plenty but that, of business there's plenty of businesses that want that navigable again, and they're expecting the core to get to work on it. So there's mm-hmm. a lot going on. I mean, the Mississippi River is my bread and butter. It's what I know. It's right out my back door. But there's all kinds of other work and uh, other vessels that we 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 do deal with. There, uh, you you mentioned the White River. That's that pretty much connects the the McClellan Kerr Arkansas River navigation system from the Arkansas River to the to the Mississippi River. So you know we actually um, there was a, a guy in 
took a took a sailboat that he he um, rented or no purchased excuse me re and refurbished and he um, he essentially you know he had the motor he didn't use the sails of course at least I don't think he did and he basically took it from Tulsa down to Baton Rouge so I'm assuming he locked through well he had sure. to have locked through all that so he had to go up the Mississippi up to Baton Rouge to um to do all that and it was kind of interesting to see that that you can go all the way from which is how we send the mr pat or our one of our working uh vessels from the tulsa district all the way up to you guys to do some work i know we sent it out there a few years ago um i'm assuming we'll probably end up having another work barge or something coming out there eventually in the near future i'm sure and I've been talking to people from the uh, St. Paul district and we've got the Gets coming and there's another one. Um, I'm, I'm bad with some of these vessels we've never worked on before, but right. there's one that's named after a general and it's coming down too. And this will be first of next year. They've got dry dock times on, on our big dry dock um, scheduled. And the conversation is we want you guys to do all our, our work in the future. And, oh, wow. and so there's a lot that I feel like, and I give credit to like my boss, Paul Lacey, he took this area from just government work, kind of, you know, getting enough done and getting it down the river to making us a shop of excellence. And I think that the signals went out. The, the problem is, is do we have time to get to you? Do we have the manpower? But other than those two things, I would say that anybody in USACE, that they want their vessels worked on here. And, and getting that manpower is important. So can you talk about the need? for the qualified app you kind of touched on it where you said you know if, if if somebody's interested in doing that type of work and really contributing to the infrastructure of the nation especially through metals work um or metal work excuse me uh they can they can start out like that but can you talk about that need and and we're i mean not only our industry my wife um, manages a, a company that does has all the trades and, and they're in the same boat. You not only need bodies, but you need young people that show up on time, that work hard independently. And so we get people that apply for the jobs, but a lot of times I'm seeing, and this is just a shout to everybody listening or has young people that are interested in these jobs. I see resumes and it just says, worked at Walmart. Right. And there's a lot of that. I'm talk, I talk. I do a lot of outreach, talking to other uh, colleges, and and this is something I'm hearing from a lot of industry. Break that down. If you've never done metal work, but you've had it in school, I want to hear. I showed up to class every day on time. These are the tools I know how to work. Hey, with my dad in his garage, I've used these tools. You can expand on those areas that you do know. And so there's a drought of people really taking the time to prepare for that resume. And the ones that do just shine through. But we do. We need skilled workers. The young people are, are winning the day because I think there was a deficit. And now that wave has started to show. And people realize, hey, HVAC's where it's at. I don't want to go to a four-year college. I, I, metalworking is where it's at. So we're getting a wave of young people. But that also means that if you're the middle of your career and you're a metal worker and you're a journeyman and you've got real skill, like we want you um and that makes you that much more valuable because if i know i can go out there and hire 10 young people straight out of trade school i've got to have somebody to lead them i need that 
mid-career person that can take four or five fairly green workers. But we need it all. We need it all. But I would say that the biggest deficit right now is that middle middle career person that's journeyman level. What would what would you say to somebody who's interested? Why why should they come to Endley or to the core to to do this type of work versus anywhere else? I'm probably a bad one. I'm I'm overly optimistic. People tell me, but I love our work. I love what we do. You are guaranteed a job. COVID, everybody, all the things that happened with COVID, all the desperation. I was getting 40 hours overtime a week if I wanted it. It was here. And that is year round. We're so busy. There are so many projects for the Corps of Engineers. It's going to be a stable job. You're going to be cross-trained. I'm crane certified. I'm a rigger. There's so many different things I can tell you that I do that have nothing to do with metal work. Um, and, but are you, you know, forklift certified? Oh, absolutely forklift <laughs> certified. I'll drive them as big as you want them. But all of that, you know, that's right out of high yeah. school. These guys were getting them through that. And then they're jumping on large pieces of equipment. And um, all of those things are things you're going to put in your back pocket at a very young age. There's no age limit for us. I mean, I've got guys driving huge off-road, articulating forklifts. They're 19. And so once you get all of that, we're going to you're going to have multiple certifications by the time you leave. Even if you're not a welder, if you're an electrician here, you're going to start to gain all of those things that industry is looking for. You're going to get an OSHA 30 or an OSHA 10, depending on what your boss deems. You just it's constant. I've been to four training classes this year, brushing up on AutoCAD. If that's something you're interested in, we'll train you to do AutoCAD. Um we just recently, we've had a large, um, this is a big plug, I think, a lot of fun toys we get to play with. We've had a huge plasma table that I've, I've been one of the few people that runs here in the metals unit. It'll cut a 20 by 8 foot sheet of metal. It can cut up to three inches thick. Well, we just threw it out the door. We're done with it. And now we've got an even larger water jet from Flow Systems. And this thing's massive. I've actually been traveling and busy. I haven't been trained on it yet. But, I mean, the thing is insane. It looks like something out of the future. It's got, it's got an articulating arm. It won't just cut in the flat position. It can cut plate, cut pipe, bevel it. So we're kind of stepping into the future. It, it, and now you said earlier, you said you're guaranteed a job. You don't mean you're guaranteed to get hired. You mean if you get hired, you're guaranteed to get work. <laughs> yes, yes. And you're just, you're building that education that's hands-on. Um, the hiring process is a tough process. You know, you've got to go through USA Jobs. It's something I think multiple agencies are dealing with to make it more user-friendly, but it's definitely worth the headache. Get in there and do the best you can with it. Put a good resume in the system. Um but no, you're not guaranteed a job. Hopefully, if we're doing everything right, it'll be very competitive. But once you get on here, you're gonna you're gonna get the kind of training and 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 the kind of people around you with the kind of expertise that'll go a long way. And, and I mean, it, the the type of skills that you learn, if even if say you did it for ten years, right, fifteen years, you end up with this enough skills where if you wanted to end up starting your own business some somewhere doing metals metal work you know um whether it's you know i don't know making rims or or, or you know like the the orange county chopper type thing you sure. know you you've got those skills to learn to learn to to do some things with metal that that are quite artistic you know 
Oh, sure. We've got a lot of our guys, if they want to, most of us. I, the only time I had a guy call me last week want me to do a welding job, and I said the only time I look at my welder is to check my shop and make sure nobody's stolen it. So I get flinched. <laughs> but there are guys that do do side jobs. We've got a guy that repairs um, for, for one of the ATV dealerships if they have something that they need fixed. So the, the work is as wide from duck blinds around here. You name it. People are hot for good welders, but also the industry and the world is starting to change where they see us as important pieces of leadership. Mm. It's really hard to function and run a shipyard without having some input from the people that are the metal workers. So you could go into scheduling. You know, this is project management, all the projects running. So it starts to turn into we just had a machinist that went from a machinist to now he's on the GS side as an engineering tech. So you don't have to just stay in the trades. You could very easily come to metals unit and work for several years and end up one day being a project manager on the GS side. Joey, what have I not asked you that I should have asked you? The There's nothing. I'm not having any large, um, big thoughts here at the end. I would say that I've talked heavily about the metalworking welder side. We have a whole other side of our shop that's machinists. They've got capabilities, so they're making our rudders, our shafts, their laser lining engines. There's a lot of large moving parts that it would take an hour to explain, but there's large hinge sections of these vessels, and they have to be perfect. And when you're talking about something that large, you don't want it eating itself because it's, it's not aligned properly. So they're going in and they're doing very detailed operations on these vessels. And um, they also tend to not get as dirty as we. So that's also a pretty good industry to get into is the machining side of things. We have four Haas CNC machines now, hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece, and we're gaining more. So we're a shop that has lathes and mills that were made in the 50s. And then we have state-of-the-art Haas CNC type lathes and mills and presses as well. Oh, wow. Well, Joey, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I I um I know we've been working to get this thing together for a while sure. now and we've had some technological issues <laughs> on my end at least. Um uh, thank you so much for your time today uh this evening and um uh, I I hope you all get the rain you need. I hope yeah, we all get yeah. the rain we need as well. Um thank you for for taking the time to to talk to us. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, Thank and hopefully, you. hopefully when the Mr. Pat goes out there again, I'll get to come out and visit you face to face or something. Maybe. They they usually visit every couple of years. I think we'll get her back in here pretty soon. <laughs> hopefully, well, <laughs> I don't know if I want to say hopefully or not. I don't right. know. <laughs> <laughs> well. Thank you for joining us for Core Construction. Core Construction is a production of the Tulsa District U.S. Army Corps of Engineers Public Affairs Office. This episode of Core Construction was brought to you by the Inslee Engineer Shipyard of the Memphis District. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.